0: In a world of what are yous, welcome to the place where the answer is always human. My name is Natalie, and you're listening to Some Kind of Brown, a podcast about mixed and multiracial life, current events, and ways to build the best life by a southern girl who's trying to figure it out for herself. All right, everybody. We're back with another episode of Some Kind of Brown, and this month is National Hispanic Heritage Month in the U.S. So I have a special guest who's going to help me talk about these things. Sam, would you like to introduce yourself? Hello,
1: I'm Sam Morel. I live in New Orleans, technically a suburb of New Orleans, but no one has to know that. Uh, (laughs) And I am a white and Mexican. I'm a mixture of white, but also a Mexican on my mom's side. So that is my mix there. It's real fun.
0: Do you know what, why is that something that's important in your family?
1: It's a mixture of Scottish, English, Irish, and Cajun French. I would say the Cajun French is most important to uh, that side because it's my dad's side. Um, both of his parents actually were... Cajun French. My grandma actually didn't speak any English when she came over. So that's more important to my identity. The others are kind of just like heritages that I descended from, but it's not necessarily a huge part.
0: Oh, so it's not like a part of your daily life and stuff.
1: No. Just a bunch of fancy white and in Mexican on my mom's side. <laughs>
0: It's always, it's always a funny question to ask when someone says they're white. You kind of have to go like, but which one?
1: Exactly. Because I feel like it's not focused on as much. It's also, I mean, for me personally, not focused on just because it's not something that I can personally look to and be like, oh, well, this person came from here. It's more like my grandma's parents came over from Mexico. My grandma came over from Nova Scotia or um, Acadiana, technically. And then I think my grandfather is definitely from New Iberia. I don't know exactly where his parents are came over from but it's like those are the main pillars i guess of my identity because i can point to like where people that i personally know are like where that came from but the english driver scottish is always fun to throw out
0: I feel like with a lot of people who just say they're white instead of whatever they're culturally connected to, maybe they're not culturally connected to, those people come out of the woodwork when it's Oktoberfest or St. Patrick's Day, and then everybody cares.
1: Exactly. As soon as there's a cultural celebration, they're just like, I am exactly 132nd German, so I feel a really strong connection to it. And like the rest of the year, they're just like, I'm white, it's whatever.
0: Yeah. (laughs) It's a weird phenomenon to me. I don't hear anyone's Irish until is it February when it's St. Patrick's Day? And then everybody's Irish.
1: <laughs> exactly. Everyone's Irish. They like really dig in do a whole 23andme so they can just celebrate. And I'm like, you can celebrate St. Patrick's Day like normal. I, it's fine if you want to. But it's always interesting, like you said, like people who don't really identify strongly, or at least most of the year with that, and then they suddenly are just, well, um, I am broken down exactly like like this so i have like a huge stake in this holiday right now it's not like good about it's just like really funny to me <laughs>
0: i always hate when it comes down to blood quantum but that's a conversation for another story <laughs> while we're talking about identity how do you actually identify yourself if someone were to ask you what your ethnicity is do you go into a full background or do you say you're mixed
1: I usually go into the background just because there's not much to it. I'm usually just like white and uh, Mexican on my mom's side. On like official forms and everything, I'll usually try to opt for multiracial. I guess that's, if anything, what I would be most comfortable with. Although in person, I just usually kind of break it down.
0: I understand that. I I go for multiracial as well because sometimes... I don't know if it's just because the dialogue around the term mixed. When I say I'm mixed, people go, oh, you're black and white. I'm like, "Uh, actually...
1: (laughs) I mean, now that you mention it, that's kind of why I stick away from it because it's not an official term for that, but it feels like that's kind of what people commonly identify it with. And I don't want to like step over anyone's toes. So I kind of never use that term. I usually just use multiracial or multiple, uh, whatever option they have on that. And that just feels a bit more comfortable or a bit more uh, real to me.
0: I like to use multiracial because I am a equal or less Black than I am Cherokee. We're not sure because there are a lot of record stuff, but I can trace my ancestry back to a role. So technically, I could register as Cherokee. But going by mixed, I think that the dialogue definitely is to open up to include more people. Like if you're Korean and black, you're mixed too. If you're like Mexican and anything else, you're mixed, you know.
1: Exactly. Like they have a lot of different combinations, especially now. I mean, especially New Orleans is such a melting pot. I feel like I've met a lot of people from a lot of different backgrounds. So it's kind of, I guess, up in my eyes and just used to that. But it is definitely kind of a narrow term. And it's not like officially like that. It's just, I mean, how people feel about it, how I feel about it, even. So it is interesting. Well, if
0: it ever opens up, maybe we can go back to mixed. But multiracial seems to be a good hat to wear. <laughs>
1: Yeah, we'll go back to the drawing board upon new information.
0: Yes. <laughs> we'll hold a national meeting and have it like, listen, we need to talk about mixed, please, for one second. So I can call myself mixed and not be limited.
1: Circling back to mixed. Is that me now? I love that. We'll talk about it.
0: And speaking of labels, I did want to... Briefly talk over terminology because I do have listeners that come from outside of the U.S. and even inside the U.S. These terms are relatively new and developing. We have Hispanic, which is still used in the month. It's National Hispanic Heritage Month, but there's a large movement to identify as Latinx. I don't think everyone really understands the difference between the two of those.
1: I'm kind of figuring that out myself, just because they are, or Latinx specifically, is pretty new term, or at least it's evolving right now, which is really exciting. It does lead to a little bit of confusion. In terms of the difference between Hispanic and Latinx, Hispanic and Latinx are used pretty interchangeably in common parlance, but technically Hispanic is used to refer to heritages that are from spanish-speaking countries specifically and latino latina and latinx are pretty much any latin american country it opens it up a little bit to countries that are latinx but don't speak spanish like brazil Uh... would be one of those who speak portuguese and portugal all those fun things Uh, so it's a little bit more open in that uh, respect in terms of latinx latinx i can't figure out how I say it because I usually just type it <laughs> but that's I believe created to be more gender neutral since Spanish is a gendered language so Latino and Latina would be used depending on the gender of the person being referred to Latinx is more gender neutral it can be used for anyone and because gender identity is such a big conversation right now and it's really opening up and being more accepted that it's a spectrum and people fall anywhere within that spectrum it's a lot more um, inclusive which i really like i usually uh, try my best to refer to myself as that whenever i can
0: Yeah, so from what I understand, Hispanic is still somewhat accepted, but if you want to be more inclusive, which everyone I think should strive to be, if you're aware, you should use Latinx.
1: Yeah, basically, I'll usually go for that one just because it's a bit more inclusive. And if you're unclear on the specific kind of breakdowns of things, it's easier to go with that because it includes a lot more. So it fits, I think, a lot more people, and at least it does for me.
0: When I actually first heard about it, I was so confused because in my mind, this is years ago, I think, when Latinx first started kind of popping up in the internet narratives. My idea of Latin America was South America. And I was like, but what about the Mexicans? Mm -hmm. Because they're in Central America. (laughs) So I was like, is. Are they not included?
1: They have a whole different term for that.
0: Yeah, but that that's what I thought. I thought that Latinx was Hispanic is here's your Central Americans and Latinx is like everyone below that.
1: That's interesting, actually. I mean, that's that was a big thing for me too just because it is kind of broken down by like the sections of like central south america and everything and i was a great student so i was really like up on um exactly where everyone was and who everyone was so it was uh definitely difficult for me growing up too so i feel that especially also because the language is evolving around it right now it's been different a lot of times. I revisit it depending on who's kind of getting to it and who's explaining it, which is really exciting, but also really confusing. So I'm, I'm right there with you.
0: I think it, this isn't exactly comparable, but I feel like the Latinx community is going through some of the changes that the LGBTQ plus community start going through so like once you start talking about awareness you start adding in things and you start being more inclusive and the terms themselves have to start becoming inclusive it's been very interesting to watch they're not the same situation but I feel like they're going through the same growth process
1: exactly and I mean as someone who's part of both it's really interesting to watch from both sides because you're right as I guess national conversation really opened up to include more gender identities and sexual identities on um, sexual orientations you start you know either creating or revisiting language that'll be more inclusive which i think is i mean only a good thing and it's interesting because language always evolves but it's evolving like right now around things that people just use to identify themselves every day so it's really common language too from even that standpoint it's really interesting but it's fun to see at least for the lgbtq community because so many people are learning to accept themselves or maybe learning new terms that they fit with more and then they adopt those to identify and i've seen that in a lot of my friends and even just in myself and it's sort of the same or at least it's a similar situation for the latinx community at least for me kind of learning that term i immediately adopted that because i'm like you yeah, know cool it's more inclusive of everyone that's awesome it's one of those things where it's like, because the language is created, people can identify with that and may realize that they identify with something or may be more comfortable, I guess, using a different term to identify themselves. It's interesting seeing uh, who's adopting it and why.
0: Yeah, we have the same kind of thing going on in the Native American indigenous community for a long time there's an argument between I don't want to be called an American Indian instead of a native American and then that shifted to I don't want either of those we are indigenous so right now native American is still I I believe preferred in most circles but indigenous is starting to creep in and I kind of like it
1: that is really cool I like that too I mean obviously I'm not part of that community but that is really, really cool. And I actually hadn't heard that conversation happen, so I learned something already.
0: Well, that's a topic we're going to be saving for November, which is my least favorite month of the year. But this month...
1: But that sounds exciting. It is
0: exciting, but also November is the absolute worst because if I see one more set of pilgrims and Indians on someone's table, I'm going to scream. But I wonder if it's the same feeling... When Día de los Muertos comes around and you see all of the things that don't belong. (laughs)
1: Exactly. Well, it's interesting for uh, my family because we don't typically celebrate Día de los Muertos, at least as a full family thing. I'm definitely drawn to it, but I didn't necessarily grow up with full Mexican family or um, anyone kind of passing down the culture beyond my mom who kind of had to find that for herself. And I'll talk a bit more about that later. Uh, But it's not something that I even know (laughs) uh, quite how to celebrate, but it is something that I actually encountered today. We went to one of the many spirit Halloween stores that invade the land around Halloween. And I was like going through all the costumes, and of course, doing uh, fun Instagram stories because I'm a really funny <laughs> person. And I got to one of those like horrible Mexican oh, costumes no. that's just like the mustache and the sombrero and the poncho, and I'm like, it's 2018. Like, I shouldn't have been surprised because it's Spirit. It's not like a pillar of inclusiveness or just like political correctness or anything you want to call it. But I was still looking, and I'm just like, that's not great. It's not a great look. That was that's more. Kind of what I'm annoyed by, just because it's such a lazy stereotype, too. And I feel like we even like this year and the past few years, we've had such great strides in Latinx representation that like you should know. You should know by now. I don't trust anyone who would laugh at that or go back to that because it's like I'm not mortally offended, but I am like that's stupid as hell. We should all know that. But apparently we don't.
0: Well, we have, in addition to those terrible like, sombrero mustache costumes, you also have this crazy sugar skull fascination. Yeah,
1: they do. That people
0: have and they bring it out for Halloween. And I'm like, that's one, not the right day. And two, what <laughs> do you know what you have on your face?
1: <laughs> like, exactly. A lot of them are ugly too. <laughs>
0: I don't want to bash anyone for trying their creative spirit, but I, we do need to sit down and talk about why you have that on your face.
1: <laughs> exactly. I'm like, maybe you shouldn't sometimes. I see it, obviously, a lot for Halloween, and I'm just like, oh my God, it's a cute little shagger skull. And it's one of those things where it's like, I'm not of the mind that everything you wear that's from a different culture you have to have like fully researched on a dissertation on and like be able to like pull out the cultural significance of any moment but like you do need to be aware of where it comes from like there's no reason you shouldn't it's not a difficult concept
0: i'm not gonna cry cultural appropriation every time someone wears something however if you actually are trying to appreciate the culture there's always a time and a place for certain things exactly If there's a style of clothing that you like from another culture and it's not connected to anything sacred or ceremonial, I think you're welcome to take inspiration from that. I love the idea of people learning about other cultures and appreciating the creative things that come from other cultures, but at least make sure you're not taking something that has a sacred or ceremonial meaning and taking that outside of its context
1: exactly it's definitely and i i say this again as someone who doesn't celebrate um dia de los muertos at least like fully with my family it's definitely annoying because a lot of people just see it and say oh cute little skull if you really appreciate the culture at least give some kind of for Rebecca, or at least acknowledgement to the fact that it's a very important day for Mexicans and it's something tied to, you know, honoring your ancestors or honoring those who have passed. It's something that has deep significance for people right and that's like you said for like ceremonial or sacred or spiritual parts of a culture like that i feel like it's not the greatest to take that for a halloween costume and it's it's difficult because i feel like cultural appropriation is a pretty wide and pretty hotly debated topic this is really just like how i view it personally or how it it affects me personally but it's just like i won't like openly bash you but i will definitely judge you and i know (laughs) Most other Mexicans, or at least most other Mexicans I know, will definitely be judging along with me. So it's like, at least honor it a little bit, acknowledge it a little bit.
0: There should be some thinking involved. And for those of you who are listening who don't know what Dia de los Muertos is, from my understanding outside of the culture, it's Day of the Dead. Um, it's the day after Halloween, correct? Yeah. Right. Which is All Souls Day, if you go by the Catholic calendar, or, or All Saints Day. It's a day after Halloween and they, it is a Mexican holiday, correct?
1: Yeah, I believe it's specifically Mexican.
0: Right. And you just honor your ancestors on that day. So, and and you bring offerings of food and stuff. And it's a day where you can kind of eat with your family here and your family beyond kind of.
1: Exactly. It's really um, a beautiful holiday and it's, a way of celebrating the dead rather than just mourning them which i think is equally important and it kind of keeps the family lines going at least in my opinion it keeps everyone together even if you know some people have passed there's a way to honor them and a way to feel like you can communicate in some way You, you can leave them offerings and you put them on the ofrenda which is a kind of altar Recently, the movie Coco came out, not to, you know, do some uh, Pixar promotion. And even if you want to just watch that, that's a good uh, basic understanding of what Dia de los Muertos is. Even just Google, it'll give you some good information. But that's kind of the, the gist of it. And it's really beautiful. And you should definitely look into it, even if just for the, for the sight of all the beautiful food and costumes and.
0: For the culture.
1: Exactly. For the culture. Hashtag for the culture. <laughs>
0: Well, on the subject of Halloween and Dia de los Muertos, I actually want to get your opinion on a recent controversy. My Twitter is full of people of color from different communities, so I don't know what other people's Twitter feeds look like, but for a good solid week, this blew up on Twitter. There is a company that was selling sexy costume from *A Handmaid's Tale, which if anyone has heard it of Handmaid's Tale or hasn't heard of Handmaid's Tale is supposed to be a social commentary on what the future could be like if we return women to the way they were treated before, actually even worse, as just vessels to make children, basically. So they took an outfit that's worn by the women who are fertile and are forced to be slaves and and forced to bear children for the families with women who are infertile. And there was so much public outcry about this sexy costume. And the company actually did come out and apologize. They're like, we wanted this to be a feminist statement of empowerment, but it missed the mark. Obviously, it would be like taking a hijab and making a sexy hijab. Like, (laughs) what's wrong with you?
1: Oh my god, I actually have heard of that. Now that you mentioned it.
0: Have you heard the rest of it, though? Yes, okay. So the company was named Yandy, and they apologized for having it. They missed the mark on feminism. It was a kind of blah apology because it didn't make sense. You can't tell me that you're trying to make a feminist statement by taking a symbol of oppression and making it sexy. Whatever. But if you look deep into it and why Native Twitter went off, they also have a sexy Indian costume. And by Indian, I don't mean India. I mean Native American. Oh, my God. Of course they do. Mm-hmm. So Native Twitter was like, okay, so you're sorry for taking the handmade tail outfit, but you're going to leave other racial things on there. And there's been no reply from Yandy. So apparently the voices of Native Twitter is not as important to them.
1: That's not great, to put it mildly. I would think because... Also, it's, at least in my opinion, the um, the Handmaid's Tale costume is in poor taste to the extent that I would venture a guess of, like, what on earth were you thinking creating this costume? But it's not necessarily a racial like, identity or a culture. I mean, it is all women, so that's awful. But you would think that they would take some soul searching and be like, Well, if this offended people or fans of this TV show or people who know women or are women, maybe we should look into the other ones real quick just to see.
0: Mm -hmm. I'm looking at their website now, and it's called Native American Seductress Costume.
1: Oh, that's worse.
0: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, yeah. And they have a sexy Jasmine-esque, so um, I would like to hear some protests from this community. Oasis Princess Costume, where... She's wearing, like, basically no clothes. There are two sexy ninja outfits.
1: Oh, God. That's not...
0: Oh, and now there's a Native American sweetheart costume, which has even less clothing than the sexy Native American one.
1: How how do they do this?
0: Yeah, I don't know. And the narrative right now is, like, okay, so you're mad when white women get mad about something, but when other communities are being treated the same way... No one says a word. Oh, three. Oh, she's an assassin, not a ninja. She just looks like a ninja. Okay.
1: She's a ninja-styled assassin. It's a very nuanced uh, deal that they got going on.
0: I'm looking on here. I'm waiting to see something that Mexicans came mad about, too, because we all need to be mad together.
1: (laughs) You know, you got to share this. We got to get on the same page. Again, hashtag for the culture. My favorite. (laughs) But, like, that's that was what was so weird, at least today when I, like, found the costume in the store. I know these have kind of been pillars of awful Halloween costumes forever, but you would think in 2018, and with the internet being a thing and, like, Google existing, they would have some kind of awareness that this is not great for business to have something so culturally offensive. Oh, Sam. Oh, what they got.
0: I knew. I knew. I knew they were going to do something that was Dia de los Muertos related. I knew it. Oh, no. It's even worse. Okay, so for those of you who don't know, Mexico is a highly Catholic country. A lot of them wear mantillas, which is a lace veil that is for masses. You wear them for mass, and you wear them for funerals. And we have... Are you ready for this?
1: I'm truly not, but I'm excited.
0: (laughs) We have... Lady of the Dead costume, which has, you know, those skirts, the Mexican skirts that are big and flowy and you dance with them. And I hate that I don't know the name for them, but they're really gorgeous.
1: Mm-hmm. I wish I knew
0: The white skirts with like the ribbons.
1: Oh, yeah, I do. I do know those. I wish that I knew the name of it, but I'm a great Mexican, so obviously I do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I'm obviously a terrible Mexican, too.
1: Now <laughs> yeah, we can both be terrible Mexicans. Wonderful.
0: <laughs> well, she's wearing... A black version of that with a sugar skull makeup, and on top of her head is a rose crown with a mantilla veil. Oh my god. So. Man,
1: do it. I actually looked it up because it was so ridiculous from how you described it. Oh, do you see it? I looked it up and I'm looking at it, and it is somehow worse than I anticipated.
0: I told you it was bad.
1: I didn't have great expectations, but it's somehow lowered. It's truly terrible. And it's also a shortcut skirt, like it's mid-five, I'd say. So it's like a cute little cocktail dress. It's also $80, which I find atrocious for this outfit, um, but that's neither here nor there.
0: Oh no, I think you're, I think you found another one because the one I'm looking at is 42, which means they have two of these outfits.
1: Wait, let me find the one you have because they have, oh, I see multiple on Yandy. It's Yandy, right?
0: Mm Mm-hmm. And I found another Native Beauty costume. She's wearing more clothing and carrying a spear, which, uh, not all tribes used.
1: I love that. Mineralized awful costume. So fun.
0: So for any of you who are listening to this and are thinking that this can't possibly be real, I will be linking every (laughs) one of these atrocious outfits on my blog, somekindofbrown.com in the show notes so that you too can be outraged like us and we can all take to Twitter and quite possibly have our voices ignored because the only (laughs) thing that matters is white feminism, apparently.
1: We can take to Twitter and nothing will happen but we'll feel better. I'm like, I'm gagged, truly.
0: Uh, For my Japanese listeners, there is a short glass geisha girl costume, so you guys are not spared either.
1: (laughs) It's a really inclusive podcast. We can be mad together. They have something for everyone.
0: Yes, if you want to be mad about costumes in Yandy, they've got all the bases covered, and I just really wanted to get your thoughts because we were talking about Dia de los Muertos and Halloween, and I just knew...
1: (laughs) I knew yeah. they were going to have something. <laughs> I love that this is October. There's so much material.
0: Right? To me, that's even more a slap in the face because October with the los Muertos is such an important season. You have Mexican families coming together traditionally during the season. Everybody, like Even distant family. It's a big deal. And you're also confronted with all of this.
1: Exactly. It's just...
0: Yeah. Uh, oh. No. Oh. There's a headdress. There's there's a war bonnet. There's a war bonnet on this one. There's another one. It's called deluxe Native American princess costume, and it has a war bonnet on it. Please save me.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna exit out for my own uh, heart rate to go down <laughs> a little bit. But there's a whole bunch. I didn't even scratch the surface. They have multiple. At least for the Day of the Dead costumes, they have multiple variations on the theme.
0: Fantastic.
1: Typically, I'm a fan of, but not really for this one. It's real fun. You know, the thing about it is that you know, Mexican people aren't going to be buying those. No. Like, you know, it's going to be some white girls who are like going out and could care less and are going to think they're real cute. And that's what gets me mad. Yes. Like, it's not just the fact that it exists. It's who it's marketed towards and who it's marketed towards are people who could care less about us. That's really the heart of the problem for me. Because I feel like that's what cultural appropriation comes back to in my mind, at least in my experience. And I'm only speaking about my experience. That's what makes me mad because it's not like the audience is not people who are in on the joke. Right. At least for Halloween costumes, we are the joke and it's people who are laughing amongst themselves about it. It's not great for anyone. I'm sure, I don't know if it's the same for you, but just when I see Mexican costumes or day, Sexy Day of the Dead costumes or something like that, I know it's like a joke, but it's not one that I'm in on. It's not one I'm invited to. It's a joke about people like me mm-hmm. that y'all get to laugh at and then go back to not caring about us, really. And that's that's what pisses me off.
0: There's like a lot of confusion between what is cultural appreciation and what is a cultural appropriation. If you take something that you like completely out of context from someone else's culture, use it however you want, and you're free to walk away again after using it, and you're not harmed from it, you're not insulted from it, I feel like it becomes cultural appropriation. You've taken something that means something, made an entire joke out of an entire culture, and walked away clean.
1: Exactly. And that's really kind of the line that I like to toe with things that could be cultural appropriation. If it's something that you meant as a throwback or something that you thought was beautiful and you didn't quite get it right, that's one thing. I think, you know, you can always tell if your intentions were good and you just maybe didn't know all the details. Not that that's always an excuse but it's a different thing from like dressing up with a sombrero on your head and a poncho and a right. huge fake mustache getting to drink and laugh about it and then just go back the next day it's a completely different feeling and a completely different thing halloween costumes in general that are culturally offensive are always canceled to me because there's no part of it that's for a celebration halloween's meant for at least in my mind you know either being scary or getting to show off your design skills, or most importantly to kind of make fun of a lot of the like scary stuff or horrible stuff right? or just like fun stuff that you see every year. But my identity is not one of those things. And you should kind of take that one out of the pool. I would think that a lot more people agree uh, for their various identities getting butchered. It's lazy too. Honestly, you know, you're not appreciating any of this be better, in general, end quote, for all of it.
0: Maybe we should make a new holiday. We can make a holiday called Cultural Appreciation Day, and you can dress up like a culture that you appreciate in an actual, appropriate way, and that way you can get that out of your system, and then you can be your sexy bunny on Halloween, okay? like
1: (laughs) Exactly. Like, ask someone about it. I'll set up a computer terminal so you can use Google.com, which is free. You put a little effort and a little research in and it's not fine, but at least you're on the right track. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't want to give people a free pass because it really depends on the context, but it's a matter of research and a matter of what your intentions are. And I feel like Halloween costumes are never usually intended to be appreciation. It's more just like, look at this fun thing I am.
0: It's comedic or scary. When it comes down to it, Halloween costumes are one of two things. They're funny or they're scary. That's it. And none of our cultural pieces belong in the funny or scary department.
1: Exactly. I'm just like, oh, you better it's 2018. We should all know.
0: Well, I just wanted to see since we were talking about that, but you said your family doesn't celebrate Dia de los Muertos because that's just not something your family does.
1: Basically, the way that I was raised, my mom really tried to share whatever parts of the culture she got with us and she was really really into making sure we knew where we came from and that we are part Mexican. And even though it's, you know, a quarter when it came down to us, she's half Mexican. But even though we were a quarter Mexican, that's still significant and our culture is still significant. And I really appreciate that.
0: Okay, hang on. I want to stop you one second. Blood quantum doesn't matter. You say even though you're a quarter, you're Mexican and other things too. So I feel like you have just as much right to that culture.
1: Thank you. That means a lot. It really does. And that's my mom's view of it too, which is why, what I really appreciated. It was never downplayed. It was seen as a a significant part of my identity and our identity, which was great. The only issue was she only had specific parts, I guess, of our culture. For whatever reasons, I'm not going to begrudge my grandma or anything, uh, but my grandma was the one uh, yeah. whose parents came over from Mexico. We think Michoacan. Uh, we're not exactly sure. Everyone I've talked to, we I'm not sure why we can't nail that down, but that's that. But I came over from there to California, and then my grandma and her family moved to Louisiana. That's how she got in. It's, it's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> but um, for whatever reason, she kind of closed herself off a lot to... That side of her identity or her culture, she would firmly, even when I was growing up, assert that we're Mexican-American. She wouldn't really let us drop that off. And she didn't really pass along a lot of the culture. I'm not sure exactly what her mom or what her parents passed along to her. It's interesting, actually, because my mom's dad, who actually died before I was born, he was you know white boy from Mississippi, but he was so invested in... Latin culture, and just really, really appreciated and loved it. First of all, he married my grandma and second of all, he would really be the one kind of bringing my mom to these parties and gatherings where she learned a lot of not only Mexican culture, but just Latinx culture or Latinx culture. Oh, man. And it was kind of interesting how that breakdown happened, but he actually died when she was 16, so that was effectively the end of it. So when it got to us, she passed along as much as she could, but there was no native spanish speaker even fluent spanish speaker in my family no one really celebrating mexican specific holidays or no one really passing along that culture directly from it so i feel like i kind of strongly identify as mexican whereas a lot of people obviously grew up with that being a huge part of their daily life even family life i got that but to a very limited extent and part of that is obviously we don't celebrate dia de los muertos Cause that's just not something my mom grew up celebrating we are very interested in it though so hopefully maybe in the future once we can tackle it uh, but as of now no
0: I'm going to leave you guys in a cliffhanger this week. I just wanted to remind you that Some Kind of Brown is going to be moving to every two weeks. If you're loving Sam, you can go show him some love on his Instagram at Sam.morel M-O-R-E-L, and you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Some Kind of Brown. If you're enjoying this podcast, please leave a rate and review on iTunes. It really will make my day. Thank you to Purple Planet for the use of their song, Love Life, and I'll see you in two weeks with Sam and some more shades of brown.